these athletes actually Apparently it's not one part of the strategy gone Development It's all we envelop in telephone A wealth of intelligence Unless you're selfishly embellishing all of the championships Basking it in, let's study in the conferences Pac-12 and Big, 12 and the 10 SEC, ACC, win, 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 win all right, I'd like to welcome everybody. This is Debbie Owner's Manual, episode 14, your source of knowledge for Debbie strategy and Debbie players in the fantasy football landscape. Uh, right now, obviously, we're focusing on the draft and mock drafts and things. But right now, before we get started, a special thank you to Chris Allen, who you can find at Twitter at Chris Allen FFWX and Adam Wildy at AP Wildy of the Dynasty Owner's Manual for having us on their podcast network. And actually now we are under the DLF podcast network. It's I think our first one recording since we got under that umbrella. So it's all yeah, our draft season. For DLF, yay! Anyways, first I'm going to introduce my awesome co-host, Mr. Andrew Harbaugh. How you doing, Dwight? We're a week away from no more mock drafts. I'm sure you're excited. Yeah, as we're recording this, we are within a week, actually. So, a week man. from today, we'll know officially yeah. how going to be a cardinal. Because because I'm a sucker and I, I like to read and stuff. I've read so many mock drafts, so many insiders tips to this this team. What all 32 teams are going to do? A lot, and I'm just like, dude, I'm ready for it to be over at this point. <laughs> like, like you know, I, I I just keep reading it and I just keep ingesting it and listening to more podcasts because that's what I do and. So, I don't know. And this week, we also have a special guest. I'm going to introduce Shane Hallam, who's a writer at fakepigskin.com and draftsite.com. Plus, I know him from this crazy-ass Debbie League that we're in that we're now currently over a 1,000 Debbie players deep. So, Shane, welcome. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, it's it's draft season's fun. Uh, you, you just hate to read those mocks, but I like you just keep having to read them, you know, like, like, I don't know. There's nothing better, but uh, yeah, up, up a draft site, actually I've done a, a seven round 2020 mock. That's up. That's going to be coming up in uh, uh, one round 2021. So I'm already, I'm already well past this year's draft. <laughs> right. Yes. Okay. We yes. can put the, we can put the expletive warning on this. No shit chain. I just read that whole thing yesterday. I, I Googled 2020 mock just for the heck of it. That was the first thing that popped up. Good, good. Well, well yeah, I, I did rounds three through seven, so okay, uh, good time. Sweet. Wow, <laughs> that's crazy. That's 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 awesome too. Like, yeah, I mean, Shane and I are this league. We're drafting twenty twenty one high school prospects, and it's crazy. So. <laughs> it's insane. <laughs> it's it's my favorite so far. I love it. I like brag to people because it's insane, <laughs> it and fun. they think I'm nuts. Yeah. So this week, um, a very, very little bit of the news. Uh, Ohio State quarterback Matthew Baldwin has put his name into the transfer portal. Doesn't mean he necessarily will transfer, but it looks like he's not even really wanting to fight with Justin Fields. Probably wise. I don't think he'd beat him. Kind of surprised that um, Andrew said before the show that, yeah, this is that Fields transferring has caused this great ripple there at Ohio State. Yeah, no, I mean, I said we could debate Haskins staying or going, but. Haskins is gone and Fields came in and then Martell went to Miami and now Baldwin's potentially leaving also. So, I mean, three quarterbacks really that have been impacted by one move. Right now, Shane Baldwin, what was he? Was he a four star or I don't even remember reading much about him, honestly. 
Yeah, I, I think he was. Uh, I think he was a three star, maybe a four star in some places. But um, you know, pro style, and he actually split time in the spring game with the number one team with Justin Fields. It wasn't like they threw Justin Fields out and declared him the starter, even. So maybe that happened right post spring game, and this is what kind of kicked it off. But I was a little surprised because I I don't know. I don't think he's the kind of guy that's going to slide in somewhere and just start anyway. So uh, you you might as well give it a shot, but. I was a little surprised at it. Yeah. I mean, maybe he'll be shooting for like a smaller school, you know, not a, you know, a big power five. Maybe he head out west to the Mountain West or something, or, you know, a smaller team like Rutgers or something like that, you know, that, you know, where he will get a chance to play. So, yeah, why not? I mean, if you were thinking you were going to play and you're not going to, you might as well. So that's really all the news we have. (laughs) I almost didn't even mention it because I think we got something a lot more fun this week. Um, this is something I actually thought of, and it's funny because I hate mock drafts, and I'm, I'm tired of them. So when Andrew's like, you want to do a mock draft? I'm like, yeah, let's do a mock draft. So one of the things we get asked about that most of our questions, we didn't even ask for questions this week, Andrew. Um, most of our questions it's come. Draft week. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, everything's a blur. <laughs> right. They, they, everybody's asking us, how does this year compare to last year? How does this year compare to next year? You know, how do they rate this class of wide receivers, this class? You know, everybody wants us to compare. So I thought what better way to do it than to do a two-round mock draft of the prospects from 2018, 2019, and 2020. Now, some of these 2020 guys might obviously might not come out, but I, I think most of them that we're going to talk about will come out. So we're going to – this mock draft will be all three of those classes together. Um, we'll say it's non-super flex. If you guys want to throw in a little – you know, I would have drafted this person if they were super flex. That's fine. Um, I'm sure Shane would agree, as you and I, Dwight, agree, what 101 would be in a super flex. No, not Baker Mayfield. Anyways, <laughs> um, <laughs> anyways so um, we're going to start this pick. Now, it's a consensus agreement amongst all of us, and I don't think any fantasy player out there would disagree with that. The 101 amongst these three classes is Saquon Barkley. That's like a no-brainer. Um, so we're not even going to start at 101. We're going to start at 102 because I don't think that's any bit of fun to waste somebody's pick on Saquon Barkley. We can talk about him till the cows come home. Or So, Shane, being our guest, you're going to get the second pick. And who would you draft at 102 from the 2018, 19, and 20 classes? I, I think 102 is a little bit tough because uh, you kind of. I think there's guys from the 2020 class that I really like that I think could really end up worth this pick. But um, I think you have to take Nick Chubb, the running back from the Browns here. Mm-hmm. Uh, just the success that he had last season. I know people are getting scared away with Cream Hunt and and all that noise, but uh, with Cream Hunt being suspended, I think Nick Chubb's going to just continue to roll. I thought hey, he was rolling last year, and his talent was was off the charts pre that college injury. So yeah, if it was a super flex, then I think this is where Baker Mayfield goes, but instead I'm going with the other Cleveland Brown. I consider some 2020 guys are running back and a receiver here, but uh, ultimately I think Chubb's kind of the safe bet. We, I think we know kind of where he stands and even, even though people are getting a little scared, he's going to share carries. I, I don't think it's going to happen. I, I think uh, when the running backs coach becomes the head coach, uh, it's, it's a pretty safe bet that this guy's going to keep carrying the load. So uh, I would take Chubb here and, and feel good. I think he's going in startups in a second, third round. So right now I think it's the safest bet. 
Wow. I'm quite shocked, Shane. I, I really didn't expect that. I actually I wasn't, I'm not ready for that either with my picks. I, I had <laughs> I had Chubb down at seven. <laughs> hey, I'll take it. That's fine. Yeah. Hey, I mean, you can't argue with it though. He was like before his injury, he was the next best thing. You know, he was gonna be right up there with Saquon. So yeah, it's I mean, I don't deny it, and I'm sure Andrew loves it too. He they Brown's definitely gifted into a gift there by having him fall because of the injuries though. Yeah. Just to throw my Browns fan two cents in, they have Hunt obviously right now, but he's going to miss the 12 games and he's on an extremely cheap deal. But like, if he comes back and shows that he's even a sliver of what he was, the Browns are going to start having, because they have John Dorsey as their GM salary cap issues and they've got to pay Baker and they've got to pay Miles Garrett. They're going to have to pay a Joku they have Chubb on that rookie contract longer than they're going to have Hunt. So I think Hunt eventually is going to be out of the picture. So I'm okay with Chubb here too. And Chubb's obviously the future here. And you saw the chemistry and the way Freddie Kitchens has him going. So, no, I, I love the pick. Nice. Nice little wrench there, Shane. All right, uh, Andrew, that leaves you up at three. Uh, I'm going to pull the trigger, not on you probably are thinking I'm going to say. It's going to be wide receiver. Going to be from 2020. I just love Jerry Judy. I think he's just going to be insane next year in the next level. I would take him over any of the wide receivers in this class, and I would take him really over anybody last year. I think he's going to come right into the thick of things and make an instant impact. The receivers from last year, Sutton, Moore, Ridley, you kind of got the flashes with, with the big touchdown games, but I think Judy can come in and be a one for a team. And he'll be able to outplay quarterbacks. I mean, you saw how he was with Jalen Hurts, and he's not the greatest quarterback, and now he's got two, a quarterback that can actually pass him the ball. He's just excelling even further. So I'm going to take Jerry Judy here at three from the 2020 receiver class. I think it's great. Yeah, I definitely considered him at two. He, he was the receiver I was considering. I, I do think he's going to be a stud. I think he'll end up going in the top 10 of that 2020 draft. Uh, his speed's going to be probably in, in the low four fours, high four threes. Um, yeah, the production. And we've seen receivers, you know, sometimes with Alabama, you get worried about the running backs, you get worried about the offensive linemen, but receivers is not a position where I feel like we have to really worry about, right? If someone's producing, then then they better be damn good. So um, I, I love it. I, he was my top receiver by by far. And I, I actually, for the Superflex fans, I actually had Baker at three is where I would take him amongst this. So that's my Superflex kick in there. But, yeah, I can't argue with Judy there. That leaves you guys like, Andrew, you, how many times are you going to make me pick my buddy, dude? I almost took I'm your not- guy. And I was like, nah, I'll let Dwight talk about him. <laughs> uh, Travis Etienne, man. He's he's my 104. He, he actually was my 102. Um, so I love him that much. I just, I, I hope that he does develop a little bit of a pass catching game. That's the only thing that I hear is part of a detraction for him. I think it's there. I think he's got the talent. He's got hands. He's amazing. like his vision, the way he breaks tackles his balance. I just love everything about him. I can, I've talked about him on too many episodes already. So that's all I can talk about him for this. So somebody else. 
Yeah, no, look, I, I think I think that this 2020 running back class is is very good. And I think there's a lot of different ways you can go. And I think Etienne's right up there doing what he did on that national stage really helps. Um, and, and doing it against, you know, a defense like Alabama, I think really helps. But you, you watch some of those other games. I mean, even in the, the Notre Dame game before that, he was just dominated. Um, so I, I, I'm excited to see what he does this year because I, I feel like teams – especially after Trevor Lawrence kind of caught fire. I think teams kind of ignored him and um, I don't think they're going to do that anymore. So I, I want to see how teams kind of react to him moving forward. And, and I think he's going to have a little tougher road this year, um, but there's, there's no reason why he, he couldn't end up here and couldn't end up a, a top 15 pick in the 2020 draft. And Matt Miller, somebody asked him this week, a, same thing that we're kind of doing this mock for is, where are the running backs in next year's class matching up with this year's class? And uh, Miller said ETM would be RB2. So, um, and he had another 2020 running back at RB1. So, Shane, that puts you back up the clock at back on the clock at the 105. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll take the running back. I was considering it too. I'll take Jonathan Taylor, the running back out of Wisconsin. Um, I mean, I'm happy to get a 2,000-yard running back almost two years in a row <laughs> at, at this point. I think I think with, with Taylor, and I can understand, I, I think there's some people that are a little bit bullish on him um, just because the production is incredibly insane, and, and you feel like, okay, he's, he's getting used a ton, right? The 307 carries this past year, uh, almost 300 carries the year before. So I think there's some long-term fears there, but – I'll take, especially when we're talking about like Debbie, like I'll take the player and deal with the repercussions after that. Another player that pass catching, that's the big concern. Um, I do think he's kind of Melvin Gordon-ish, right? Wisconsin has never really used their running backs in the passing game. And we saw Melvin Gordon in the NFL be a really great pass catcher. I think Taylor can do that too. I think his speed is underrated. I think he's going to be a, a low 4-4 guy. And, and so to me, I think he's just a slam dunk to – to be productive to do something, this this isn't uh, Ron Dane, right? This isn't anyone like that. So uh, I, I think Taylor is going to be productive. Maybe a shorter shelf life than some of these other backs in 2020 um, or even in 2018, but uh, I'm, I'm happy getting him here. I like it, Shane. That's, that's different. Once again, I had him down the list a little bit too. I mean, like you were talking about that shelf life. That's something to always worry about. But like you said, I don't think it's going to be a Ron Dane situation. So no, Taylor's deservedly so i think in the conversation here at the top five i got no qualms with yeah. it all right andrew 106 gonna <laughs> keep this run on 2020 running backs going i'm gonna take deandre swift i'm kind of surprised he's there for me again honestly but at the same time this class is so deep i would have been just as happy with having taylor here too which i was expecting swift coming off thousand yards last year over 30 catches uh solid build 59 215 he struggled a little bit, I think, in the receiving game just because of Jake Fromm kind of getting a little bit erratic at times. But Swift at the next level is able to overcome that. So I'm excited to see what he can do in an NFL offense, especially the way the running back's being used now. Uh, I think Swift's going to be a lot of fun and going to be a fantastic fantasy value. Shane, what do you think about – I mean, you took Taylor over Swift. What do you see that you like more about Taylor than Swift? I look, I think Swift is the 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 home run shot, right? And I have him um 
you know, uh, as the next running back after Taylor and, and Etienne right after that. So I have all three pretty close. We have them going all in the top six. I, I think Swift is the home run shot. I, I still think there's a lot more I want to see out of his game in terms of kind of vision and the football intelligence aspect that I like a little bit more with Taylor. So that's something that I'm not wholly comfortable with yet, but very easily this year, you know, that, that could be thrown away and those concerns can be thrown away. So I, I, that's why I would be fine if Swift went at two. I'd be fine if, if him going at six, absolutely. Um, I think it's an upside play. I think he could be one of those players that breaks out, ends up being a, a top five player in the 2020 class, you know, draft itself. Or he could be a player that maybe has an injury or starts really slow and we're talking about him, you know, falling down like, I imagine we're going to about another guy we'll take later. So um, I think it could go either way. Right. I'm just excited that there's a Georgia running back until you just said the I word that, I mean, Michelle had the knee issues, Chubb had the knee issues, and Gurley had the knee issues. And Swift really doesn't have anything too severe yet, and God forbid that happens. But it'll be nice to see, like you said, he could be in a top five pick in the actual NFL draft. So it'll be a lot of fun to see what he does. I'm going to go at the 107. Uh, this is kind of the last 2020 guy that I consider the uh, the like the upper echelon that I would put behind Saquon. And that for me, it's LaVisca Chenault from Colorado. Another guy I've talked a lot about. I just love everything about his game. I think he's a complete receiver. He's got to get a little bit better at route running, but he's still really damn good. His hands, uh, it's just, just amazing. He's another one of those guys. There's a couple of guys in college football right now that seem to have these ungodly hands like him and Justin Ross and – and I'm just really excited to see him on the next level. I think he can play in any offense, probably any position. Um, I just love LaVisca Chenault like a ton. I, he has, I actually had him at four on this list. So he's my wide receiver one for next year. So what do you guys think about that? Yeah, I, I, I like it. Um, he's, yeah, he's definitely, I'm with you on that kind of end of that tier uh, for these 2020 guys moving forward. I thought his season last year was was phenomenal. It's really tough to kind of put into words when you watch him on film against, uh, you know, against a, a Nebraska defense or against uh, Washington State last year, just like catching everything, a uh, ton of receptions, you know, dominating deep, uh, running a ton of routes, which is something I like about him a lot, is already as a sophomore, he has a well-developed route tree, which you barely see out of guys that are seniors. So so not only that, I know sometimes Colorado uh, people are a little weary, but at 6'2", 220, uh, he, you know, he's a big dude with speed that can catch. Uh, I think it's hard to put him down, and I feel like – I feel like it's the Colorado element that sometimes I kind of step back on like why I didn't have him before, but I probably should, you know, he probably should. Cause he probably is that good. I thought it was kind of interesting of note how quickly he came on the scene. Like he didn't even make our, dev, our big Debbie league of 800 players last year. He didn't even make the team. And then he, this year in our supplemental draft, he was the second one taken. So he kind of came on the scene, a guy who wasn't highly recruited or anything, but man, so much to love when you watch him. I, was, I tweeted out the other day a video. I was watching him versus Nebraska, which obviously is nothing too great, but it's like playing the Oklahoma defense. But uh, Montez threw a, a well-placed ball, and it was a gutsy throw at that. But out of the double coverage, Chenault, you just see these fingertips reach for the ball, and he brings it in. Like, it shouldn't have been caught, but he caught. It's just I was in shock. Like, I was feeding my son, and I let out a while and startled him, but – Hey, he'll get used to it. <laughs> used to daddy being enamored by football players. Yes. 
All right. So now I think this is when it gets kind of crazy. We This is when I want to really see what you guys do. Shane, who do you got at 108? Yeah, this is tough. Because <laughs> um, I, I think there are a number of different ways to go. Once again, I think I'm going to play it a little bit safe here. And I'm going to take Sonny Michelle from the Patriots here. I, I, I think what we saw in the Super Bowl and the playoffs really led me to feel uh, Sonny Michelle's a little bit different, right? He's a little bit better than your typical Patriots running back. And there's always some fear that they're just going to use a ton of guys. And I feel like Michelle has kind of proved himself to be a, a main running back for them. So I think you, you draft him. He's someone now that you can plug and play. That's going to get the touchdowns for that team, still getting receptions. So even with the, that the injury issues kind of aside, it's a little bit scary, but I think he's the safest pick here to continue to produce for a handful of years. So I'm happy to get him at eight and feel like I, I have kind of a solid running back base there. Yeah. He's a guy that I'm struggling to come around on still, like you said, Patriots thing, but he, he looked really good toward the end of the last year. And if they, you'd have to think that they're, that they're going to start running more and relying on the run more. Because, I mean, I know Brady still looks superhuman, but at the same time, he is, what, 40, 41 now? So it's going to start happening whether he, he likes it or not, the decline of the arm. And I think they'll start relying on that run game more. And I, I liked what I saw out of him, but the injury concerns are kind of what put him down the list for me. Yeah, my whole thing with Michelle, like you said, it's just that running back by committee approach that the Patriots always use. Like, I, I, I still have James White in a lot of leagues. And I feel comfortable with James White so far at this point. But that playoff run by Michelle, like you said, Shane, made me a little bit weary of it. But it, it's tough to commit until we see it. So he's right. that horrible ex-girlfriend that you want to fall in love with. But she keeps breaking your heart. <laughs> <laughs> I just want him to be the bell cow. Gotcha. Yeah. I don't think bell cow's in Belichick's like, I know. Yeah. That's the problem. It's not in most teams. Let's be honest. Most teams aren't oh, anymore. Yeah. You know. All right, Andrew, you're up at 109. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Debate between trade, two of them. Trade down? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I wish. I'm going to go out on a limb with this pick. It's somebody we haven't seen anything from, but he's been all over social media posting that he's coming back stronger than ever. I think I'm going to take Darius Geis. I think with Washington either having – God forbid, Colt McCoy at quarterback. Um, as somebody in our Stick to Football Hall of Fame chat said, the king of the check down. Even with that in mind, I think him with Geis is going to be nice. And then if not, you have a rookie or Josh Rosen. Young quarterback's best friend is going to be the running game, and I think Geis will be able to handle the workload. ACL injuries aren't what they used to be as well, so I think Geis will bounce back well, and he'll be potentially – a top 10 fantasy running back next year in the perfect circumstances. Right. Cause I believe he's still only 21. I mean, that's crazy. Like, so even if he takes a year to get back, he's still only 22, <laughs> like, oh, yeah. you know? So I don't think they're going to be in a rush to bring him back, especially with the uncertainty of that whole offense, not having any wide receivers at all. And he kind of got the Miles yeah. Sanders treatment too, because he was behind Fournette at LSU. So he doesn't have a lot of the wear and tear like Fournette did coming into the league. I think it's a good pick. Like you said, it's it's almost like you're you're taking a guy from from the 2019 or 2020 draft, right? It's like uh, we don't know. Uh, we've seen him in college. We don't know what he's going to do in the NFL. And I, I like it. I, I wish I'm a little scared about Washington, but that 
I just think they're a dumpster fire. So other than, other than that, you know, Geis extremely talented, and I was a big fan of his coming out. So I, I think he is going to kick it back and be good. I'm drafting him in a lot of redraft leagues and, and things like that. So I'm I'm with you. I think it's a good pick. I uh, this is I have one ten now. I, I struggled. I wanted to go wide receiver, but I still don't. This class I don't love as much, but I'm going to go ahead and go with Nikhil Harry here. He's still. I think my wide receiver one coming out of this class, I say that because I don't know. It switches from day to day. Like today's Thursday, Nikhil Harry is my wide receiver one. I think Fridays it's De- Debo, Saturday it's A.J. Brown. Yeah, so it, like it rotates. So today it'll be Nikhil Harry. I, I still really, really like the talent. I think he's a very, very developed receiver, and I think he'll, he'll – it just it scares me. You keep seeing him mock to the Ravens, which scares the bejesus out of me. Like any wide receiver that goes there, I think it's just toast, but – I still love Nikhil Harry. I, I love the catches that he makes. I know he doesn't get the separation that you want, but I still think he's going to be a great wide receiver in the NFL. So I'll stick with Nikhil, Nikhil Harry at 110. I'm, I'm interested like- to see where he ends up. Like, I, I just really want to see where he, because I think that's what's going to matter. I don't think he is one of those players, and I don't think there's a player a fantasy player in this draft that is um, team proof, you know, that uh, put him anywhere. This guy's a stud. Right. And I don't think, I don't think Kyo Harry is that guy either. Um, I, I think a lot of, you know, a lot of what he did, what was, was post catch on the, the screenplays, you know, dynamic, uh, like you said, made some amazing catches. If all that stuff translates and you put him in a position to win, then I think it turns out to be a really good pick. I'm I'm just really scared of where he's going to end up if a team's going to use him correctly. Um, and I think if you don't put him in the right position, I don't think you can just kind of throw him out there and have him win. And uh, I don't think there's anyone in this class that does that. And then once again, why why we're doing this, right? So I think uh, people out there can see. And Kyo Harris going at ten. It's the first player from this class that we're drafting. And uh, right. uh, and and I th- I think and like you said, I think you could have went a number of different ways. So. It was a, it was a tough one for me, and I almost went another twenty twenty guy, <laughs> and I, I still don't love the wide receivers that came out last year either. So, yeah. So Shane, that puts you on the clock at one eleven. I'm going to project a little bit, um, and I'm going to take Cam Akers, the the, the running back from uh, Florida State, and and he had a terrible year last year. It was really bad. Florida State, um, year, though, to be fair. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Florida State was uh, it was so bad, but uh, um, yeah. In our you know in our giant um, Debbie League, you know, I took him second overall last year after Saquon Barkley. Um, I thought after his freshman year. And I still think this this guy is can be a stud in, in all aspects of the game. I think he has that short area quickness. He maybe doesn't have a long speed, but um, you still watch him explode to the hole. And last year, man, those holes closed fast. I thought his vision took a step back. Um, the, the one thing I did like is I thought as a receiver, he developed and got better. And so to me, I, I thought it was one of the holes in his game as a freshman that got better as a sophomore. I think Florida State's going to be better, and I'd rather kind of secure him here as a talent and hope it comes through. Maybe he's a player. Maybe it doesn't come through. Maybe he's a player in the NFL draft, goes in the fourth round or the fifth round, and outperforms that draft stock and I think still becomes a, a valuable player in, uh, in fantasy down the line. Right. He's one that I struggled with in this exercise because of his last year. You know, he kind of got forgotten as I was going through all these names and shuffling them around and stuff. I kept pushing him down. And, and it's not fair to him because he's got the talent. So, yeah. And just to add to with Florida State being the dumpster fire, they were last year. First year as a new coach, kind of still figuring things out. 
Akers is going to be a weapon in that offense. And I think with losing Francois, they're definitely going to rely on the run game a lot more. And also, too, when Francois got dismissed from the school and I did my little article on it and I reached out to a couple people that I know have interacted with the Florida State staff and that, and they said the team got better when he left. So I think we'll see the real Cam Akers next year. So I like this pick there, honestly, at 11. That's a pretty good value for him. Andrew, who do you got at 112? Quit pressuring me, Dwight. Um, <laughs> <laughs> don't make me sing. <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't want that. I'll make a pick. I'll stop. I, I'm projecting here as well. I'm going to use mock drafts and stuff we've been seeing. If DK Metcalf goes to Green Bay, I think him at the back end of the first round would be fantastic here. So I'm going to go with DK Metcalf. I think if he goes to somewhere like a Green Bay, he if he goes anywhere but Green Bay, honestly, in the first round, I'm really scared. But um, if he goes to Green Bay, he won't have the pressure, like say if he goes to Tennessee as Corey Davis, but we can discuss him at a later time. Go to like a Tennessee, Corey Davis, we can talk about, I see you smiling. <laughs> and then Baltimore, like you talked about, being the desolate wasteland for receivers this year. So I think if one of them can get to Green Bay and the one I see getting mocked to Green Bay is DK Metcalf, I would love to see him opposite Devontae Adams and having Aaron Rodgers throwing the ball. Right, and you you poo pooed it when we went through the division, but I still think Indianapolis would be a good spot for him too. So, Shane, that just doesn't seem like a Chris Ballard pick to me. Is all probably yeah, yeah. I'll be right. Shane, uh, what do you think of DK? Curious. I, I think you guys like this like this class more than I do. Even like he didn't make my list. He didn't make my top twenty four. <laughs> He's not my wide receiver one either. My wide receiver yeah. one, I'm thinking I should be able to get decently Maybe. later. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I probably won't take them. Like, and this receiver class is good. Like, they're good, but once again, I think it. As you kind of said, it depends on that situation. Uh, I don't think DK Metcalf is going to to come out and dominate, and he's going to need a quarterback that can throw the ball down the field and a team that that's going to run plays for him or get him the ball in space. And if you expect him to do more than that, like I, I think he might be a better NFL player than fantasy player. And uh, yeah, I'm really scared. So he, no, he, he didn't make my list. 2019 receiver class. Like we, everybody in this class, me and Dwight have talked about is this is the landing spot draft where literally, I mean, we've done rookie drafts now, you could have someone you could take it in the top half of the first round. And depending on landing spot, they could drop the whole way to a second or a third round pick. So it's, it's pretty interesting. I just think with Metcalf, like you said, it has to be a team that's going to work with him. It's almost like they're drafting a quarterback to work with his skill set. So it'll be interesting to see where he goes. All right. I'm going to lead off the second round. This, um, another projection pick. I, when I was watching Nikhil Harry, I absolutely fell in love with Eno Benjamin. So I'm going to take him as my first pick in the second round. Um, I'd like to see more of him this year. I'm curious to see that offense should become a little more less less um, versatile now that Nikhil's gone. So they're probably going to make Eno even more of the focal point, which I love in a way. I really like a lot of things I saw about him. His vision, his speed, his cuts. I just he was looked like a really good complete back. He caught passes, so he's just a guy that I really love. I think expect him to take a huge step forward this year. Um, I feel like he's kind of in the shadow of the Swift and the ETN and Akers and, you know, JK and and Jonathan Taylor, 
but I think he could be right up there in the top three of all those guys. I absolutely love what I saw from him. I'm curious what you guys think of him. I, I obviously like him a lot, you know, in, in our big Debbie league, I took him in around eight last year and uh, was kind of hoping for this kind of year from him because he, he, I think he flashed that town as a rookie, as a freshman rookie, as, as a freshman, but you never really saw him put it together. And, and I think it's one benefit of Arizona state. And I think that offense ran well. I think it's something that Herm Edwards did really well was knowing how to right. use really skill position players. And uh, Benjamin is a big cause of that. So I, I, I didn't even expect him to be as good as he was. I think it's a great pick, um, 13 overall. Yeah, when you said, Dwight, that when you were watching Nikhil Harry, you kept noticing someone. I thought you were going to say Emmanuel Manning, their quarterback. So I'm, I'm glad you took Benjamin, though. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would. I, I don't think I'd be qualified to, to say anything on a podcast if I said that. So, all right, Shane, that leaves you at the pick 202. I'm gonna. I'm finally take a receiver. I guess after going all running backs in, in the first round, um, I do have a receiver at the top of my list. I'm gonna take Tylen Wallace, the receiver from Oklahoma State. Uh, another kind of one-year wonder, if you will, as a sophomore. Um, maybe even more so than anyone else we've taken. But uh, the the more that I watched him, the more impressed that I was with with his kind of raw ability. And he came through in those big games where Oklahoma State had to put up a ton of points to compete with Texas and Oklahoma. And yeah, they're not great defenses uh, like any are in the in the Big Twelve. But I thought that Tylen Wallace was such a sharp kind of route runner. I really liked how he got out of his breaks. Like he was full in cornerbacks left and right and, and seemed to always be open. Um, used his hands really well. Someone I, I didn't even notice his freshman year um, this year, I thought was was absolutely dominant. So I, I think he's going to take a step forward. And I, I'm excited to see what he does this year. But uh, someone with, I think, big potential to maybe even be the wide receiver two in, in, or three in the 2020 class. Nice. I like that. You're, you're, you're surprising me, Shane. I, I like this. You yeah, kind of no, no cookie cutter here. <laughs> Andrew, what do you, you've mentioned Tylen before. I know you love him too, right? Yeah. No, I, I mean, he talked about not noticing him as freshman year that he played five games and had seven catches. So, I mean, for him to come back and I had to pull him up because I remember his stats were insane. 86 catches almost, he was nine yards short of 1500 yards and 12 touchdowns. So and he even ran a uh, ran one in himself. So uh, Tylen Wallace, especially in an Oklahoma State offense, the receivers stick out there. So I definitely think he's the next one to come along that line that you have Des Bryant, James Washington, and so on. Justin Blackman, obviously, but he never panned out. So we'll just talk about right. the other two. Exactly. All right, Andrew, that leaves you up at two oh three. I think I'm going to throw a shock pick out. I'm going to go with the 2020 running back that you don't have on the list here, but I liked him a lot. And I, I was kind of surprised that he went back to school, but Keyshawn Vaughn, the senior running back out of Vanderbilt. I really like how he is as a pass catcher. Um, Vanderbilt is slowly building a very solid program. Uh, Derek Mason, their coach who fought Dan Mullen famously last year. Um, they've put together very good defense the last couple of years, but with Jared Pickney and, now Keyshawn Vaughn there. I think Keyshawn Vaughn projects very well. I don't think he'll be talked about with these names like the Taylors, the Swifts, the ETNs, but I think he's going to be, like you talked about, Shane, one of those running backs that goes around three or four that you, when they go to that landing spot can kind of have that Kareem Hunt type rise if given the right landing spot. Wow. You really surprised me there. That's a guy who 
I hadn't heard a whole lot about until I talked to Travis May on that a couple, you know, some odd episodes ago, and he gushed about Vanderbilt's offense. And yeah, I like that. You guys are really throwing some names out there. I like it. I, you know, yeah, I think uh, I think it's an intriguing pick. He's one. Of, he's a player I, I didn't have on my list. You know, I was doing that kind of seven round twenty twenty draft and trying to get these like sixth seventh rounders right. And I watched watched him and had him kind of low on the list. And I was like, oh my gosh, like why 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 is this guy? Why do I have him sixth seventh round? Like this guy's legitimate. And and I moved him well up. I think you're right. It's just someone um, I I don't know. I just never noticed before. And uh, you know, transferring into Vanderbilt is a really interesting situation, but um, he definitely picked up that offense with relative ease, which also excites me too. When you see a player kind of step in, learn that offense pretty quickly. So I'm excited to see what he does this year. Cause I feel like he's a player that could go either way, like, like a Cam Akers, like a, a Tyler Wallace, you know, in the second round, we're taking guys and, you know, Benjamin, even is he going to keep it up? Is he going to do better? And then we do start talking about him with those top backs, or is he going to kind of come back to earth? And um, I think it could, Go either way for Vaughn, so I, I, I like the pick. I think it's good. And actually, that leaves me up at two oh four. At two oh four, I'm gonna take a name that I think should have came out this year, but because he's gonna be in 2020, I will go with Tyler Johnson, wide receiver from Minnesota. I didn't think he has anything to accomplish by going back to school, so I was kind of surprised. Um, the ideal build for one of the, like a typical X receiver makes a lot of really amazing catches. Great downfield came from the same offense that Corey Davis did, except for Minnesota. So hold, don't hold that against him though. <laughs> you see a lot of similarities in their game though. They're both, you know, the guys that just get the ball, you know, they just go up and get the ball. I like to, I said, very surprised he came back for school and I would gladly take him at 204. He's a guy that could sneak up into first round consideration next year as well with another strong year. So what do you guys think of Tyler Johnson? Minnesota offense is, is, is going to be super interesting next year. Right? Like I think they have some really good players there. And so may, maybe that's a reason for him coming back. I mean, uh, Muhammad Ibrahim as well is a, is a running back kind of later round guy that I think could rise up. But I mean, Johnson was, you, you knew the ball was going to him, right? That, that was a big thing. And then you watch him and he's, he's still, he's still open, uh, which, which, I wouldn't expect to happen when, when teams know that the ball's coming your way on a Minnesota offense. So I, I'm pretty excited um, to see what he does. And I thought he tore up some legitimate NFL corners in the Big Ten last year. And to me, that's maybe the highest praise you can have. If you're beating guys that are going to be playing on Sundays, like why you are too. Right. That's I think that's where I kind of got the comp the comp to Corey Davis is Corey Davis did the same thing. Like you knew that he was getting the ball and he would be bracketed by two cornerbacks. Yeah, they were lower level competition, but still, he would still find a way to get the ball. And you definitely see that that alpha dog mentality in Tyler Johnson. So, Andrew, you got anything to add? No, I just think it's it's fun to have college football where you're taking a Vanderbilt running back and a Minnesota wide receiver in the second round of a rookie mock. So, I mean, coaches and everybody are really expanding there. So. It's fun just to see offenses kind of exploding, and as much as you love defense, Dwight, I, I'm okay with it kind of going by the wayside at times. <laughs> That's what everybody pays for anyway. So, All right, Shane, that puts you on the clock at 2.05. I'm going to take a guy, another, another kind of projection to improve, and the last running back I have above this entire uh 
2019 class. I'm going to take J.K. Dobbins, running back from Ohio State, and he definitely took a step back last year. I, I thought Mike Weber outplayed him in a ton of games last season. Um, but just like Cam Akers, I feel like things are going to come through, and I think especially with Justin Fields there, uh, I think we're going to see even more. You know, Dwayne Haskins. He's he he's not mobile, you know. He doesn't move around, and so I thought teams were before they kind of knew what Haskins could do. We're stacking the box and taking Dobbins out, and even continued to do that. I don't think he's going to see that this year, and I think we'll see more of those 2017 kind of numbers where he, he was reminiscent to me of Ezekiel Elliott at times as a freshman, as a sophomore. Uh, he didn't look like that at all. So um, it's another kind of projection. Is is this guy going to improve? It maybe he gets beat out, you know, and doesn't get drafted at all it could happen so um a, a little bit risky uh but i think in the mid-second round this is the time to take someone that has talent that's at a big time school that uh, is going to have a really good rushing offense next year that's well, hold on haskins isn't mobile not according to Stephen a come on man <laughs> <laughs> well like uh, yeah yeah thanks yeah. Stephen a smith you're i'm glad you're getting paid the big bucks for this highest paid player highest paid analyst at espn anyways Ian, you got anything to add about jk yeah, no, I mean, I remember uh, my boss a couple of years ago was a giant Ohio State fan from Columbus and everything, and he told me there was this running back to watch um, that last season with the year before. He was going to be a true freshman. He was going to start. He's like, watch, he's just going to tear it up. And 29 rushing attempts, 181 yards later, J.K. Dobbins was on the scene for everybody. And that kind of set the expectations for everyone, like a lot of incoming freshmen and rookies in the NFL. You have that one big game, and then you're like, okay, this is what I expect. But like you said, Mike Weber really did outplay him. It's much. I'm glad Mike Weber did just because he's in the draft this year, and I think he's going to be a good late-round running back, not in discussion with these first few rounds. But I think Dobbins will bounce back, especially with Justin Fields. Like you talked about, Fields has that dual threat um, capability. So was hoping Dobbins would fall to me, but when we discovered Shane was an Ohio State fan beforehand, I knew I was playing with fire there. <laughs> I will get yeah. there. Right. All right, 206, Andrew. Well, it was J.K. Dobbins. I'm going to take Debo Samuel. Yes, Debo. Debo is my wide receiver one. I'm going to have my rankings out here in the next week, like a little updated thing, nothing like a whole new article. I'm um, just a couple of little changes I've made, but I think Debo – is the closest thing to the complete package and being pro ready in this draft for the receivers. We've talked about how everyone's kind of a scheme fit and a landing spot, but I think Debo can go to a couple different places and be productive as a wide receiver too. I don't think he's going to come in and be a one anywhere, but like a lot of places I've seen him mocked are like new Orleans and San Francisco places like there. I think he would thrive. Um, give an example just for, him be going to San Francisco, I think he'd fit that Pierre Garçon spot perfectly. And he's versatile enough that I think Kyle Shanahan would have a blast with him. Same could be said for Sean Payton and so many other landing spots. So I think Debo is going to make an impact year one, which I don't think a lot of these receivers will. So that's why I'm going to hang my hat on and my credibility at times on Debo Samuel in this draft. Yeah, Shane, if you haven't listened to us before, Andrew has a a, a man crush, a, a bromance with Debo Samuel. I, I heard the man's voice out of Mobile, and I was just talked. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I I think it's I think it's about where where he should go, and I think you could take 
you know, maybe four or five different receivers at this spot. I think Samuel maybe has that, that dynamic ability and, and, and pro- probably what, what you love about him is he does have that upside. You know, I think um, outside of a Harry or a Metcalf who, who have already gone, Samuel probably has the biggest upside of any receiver left to take in, in this 2019 class because he, he can just flat out score touchdowns in a lot of different ways. Like we've talked about, I think teams has to use him well. If you're going to go out there and use him traditionally, uh, I think you're going to be in a lot of trouble and he's going to disappoint you. Um, but I think if he goes to a place where, you know, there is some creativity in the offense where you can move him around and, and get him open, um, I think you can do a lot of damage. Yeah, like it. All right, 207, I'm going to take the last guy from that I will probably take from the 2020 class. Um, Brian Edwards from South Carolina. Another guy that I think could sneak up there as well. And, you know, he doesn't get the the press that Judy and Chenault and the other guys do in the 2020 class, but there are times where he looks like the next best thing at wide receiver. He's, he's, um, he's got the size, the length, strength, um, his body controls crazy good. He's, he's a very good route runner. He catches the ball with his hands. He does a lot of things that you really like stuck in an offense in South Carolina. Unfortunately, it doesn't, you know, really feature him as well as they could playing in the sec obviously he sees a lot of high talent you know cornerbacks as well but just so many things that you really like and I, I, he's a guy that i think if he puts up a really huge year could crawl right up there with judy and chenault and some people even have him ranked that high i've, I've seen him as the wide receiver one for 2020 in several places so to get him at 207 i, I really like that spot He's intriguing. Um, like you said, you know, I think the body control is is really good, and I think he's flexible. I wonder about the athletic ability, um, kind of deep speed ability. I, I, I have I have trouble placing it, and so that worries me a little bit, and probably why I have him a little bit lower in this 2020 class. But I th- I think I think Brian Edwards is a good example of why the 2020 receiver class, as much as the 2019 one, is hyped up why it's just as good and probably better, right? Because I think Brian Edwards fits with Debo Samuel and fits with Nkeo Harry and DK Metcalf, right? Is kind of on that level. And I mean, how many receivers have we taken from the 2020 class already, right? So I, I think I think your your points are well taken, and it shows really why people are going out and getting 2020 rookie picks in Dynasty Leagues. Like, this, this right. is it. This is why. Right. I considered a couple guys from the 18 class here at wide receiver too, but just, I just, I, I don't know. Just can't do it, man. Uh, Shane, you're on the clock at 208. Uh, I'll, I'll pull the trigger on one of those 18 receivers. And honestly, it's kind of tough of which one, um, but I think I'm going to take DJ Moore for the Panthers. I, I just think upside wise, he still has the highest. I mean, I mean 788 yards as a rookie kind of didn't get on the field for a little while. I still thought he flashed the that first round receiver talent ability. Um, maybe maybe some of the others, I won't mention them, but maybe some of the others that might get taken here um, in the next couple picks have a, a little safer, but I think DJ Moore still has di- a dynamic ability. I'm scared for the Panthers. Like I just don't know if they're going to pass enough to make him really worth it, um, but I think he, he can be a big-time threat. So I still I still have some DJ Moore fandom in me, and, and I'll happily take him this late. The, the Panthers' offense is what does it for me. Just, just scared. We actually were – I was talking in the DLF chat earlier about this where someone brought up trading DJ Moore for 
Devontae Freeman and Doug Baldwin. And I'm like, hell yeah, I'd trade him for them. And But everybody else was on the DJ Moore side. I was like, really? So I, I don't know. I just, I worry about that offense. And he wasn't my wide receiver one last year, but I definitely see the talent. DJ Moore, I think receivers always take a little bit to get going in the NFL. I think more in the second year with Cam. I mean, if Kelvin Benjamin can produce quality fantasy numbers for a year or two with him, you would hope DJ Moore can. So I, I'm excited to see what type of a jump he takes in year two. Right. Andrew, uh, you're on the clock for 209. I, I think I'm going to take the flyer on Josh Jacobs here. I think right Jacobs, there. this is perfect for him, I think. We've all talked about Jacobs. Everyone's talked about Jacobs. I've got nothing more to add a week before the draft. Um, but as far as the fantasy value goes, I think obviously in rookie drafts this year, he's going to be a top three pick, probably top five. But when you have these two classes combined, I think this is kind of the sweet spot for Jacobs down the second half of the round two, just because there are still a lot of question marks with him. And if he's going to be able to do this when he's the guy, not splitting up the carries between the Harris non-related brothers down in Alabama. So what what is your take on Jacobs, Shane? I really haven't heard you say much about him. I you know I, I have trouble with, with him, and I think it's for the reasons why a lot of people do right because he's splitting carries. And um, my thing with with Jacobs and with this class, right? Like we like to see in college a workhorse back, and you then you feel comfortable because you've seen him kind of do it. And most of these Alabama running backs that have happened in the past. That's what it's been. And and Josh Jacobs isn't that player, right? When, when he's third on his team in rushing yards this season, uh, it's it's a little bit scary. And so I, I just really don't know what to expect with him. And I think that unknown really scares me. Like we obviously saw on the national stage um, a, a big dynamic game from him um, in, in the national championship and, and the playoff game before it. So I think it shows you what his, you know, what his talent looks like, especially catching the ball. So I do think he's going to get utilized. I think it's a fine spot. I, I just wonder what his upside, you know, if he's ever going to hit that upside. Um, he could, but I'm, I'm just hesitant. He's not my number one running back in this class. I think he could end up the best running back in this class. Then can I ask you guys? Do you, do you think he's going to go in the first round in the NFL draft? Because I, I, I don't think it's a guarantee by any means. I think when the Eagles got Howard, that kind of took him out of first-round consideration. For yeah. me, I, I think the Raiders could still be in play for him, but I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him fall, that's for sure. Yeah, and another thing we always talk about on the show too, Shane, is um, on Sick to Football this week, they did their 32 rumors, and they were talking about the three Raiders picks. They heard Jacobs is going to be but is the, one of the leading candidates for that 24 or that 27 pick. So if it's not Oakland, I don't, like he said, I don't think it's Philly anymore since they got Jordan Howard. Um, after that, I think Jacobs can kind of have a little bit of a free fall. So I don't know where he'll fall to. It's after the first round, you're kind of just playing with fire if you already have him on your rookie drafts. But just to pose a question to you, Shane, that I was posed on a show I did a week or two ago. I can't remember. Again, everything's blending together. You talked about him kind of being that third leading rusher on the team. Do you factor in that you had guys like Najee Harris and Damian Harris ahead of him, or should he have, if he's this good, should he have just earned that job and kept it from those other two guys? I don't think, I don't think you take it away from him that he wasn't a workhorse back, but 
he should be able to beat those two guys, right? He, I think he should have been able to do more. He had more carries than Ajay Harris did, and and he scored more touchdowns, which is big and, and important for us. But I, I feel like that they probably would have used him more, and not even just this year, but I think you go back to, you know, even to last season. He, he And I've taken him in, in Debbie Leagues, but he was a player last year. I thought, I, I thought he should be getting more touches, and he ends up – you know, he ends up uh, third on the list again. So um, it, it's it was kind of it's kind of weird to me, and it does give me pause. Not that he wasn't a workhorse, but come on, man, you like you couldn't beat out a sophomore, Najee Harris. Uh, you, you, I don't, I don't like Damian Harris very much. Like you could, you couldn't do more with that. Uh, it does have me a little bit skeptical. I told the show I was on. I said this is. I, I mentioned everything that I said as far as you've got the other five star guys there. But I said at the end of the day, this is the same coaching staff that couldn't decide between Hertz and Tua. So we got to do what we can when it comes to that. All right, two ten. I'm gonna go a little crazy here. I like I said, the wide receivers for this year are so dependent on spots. So I'm gonna go straight off talent. I'm gonna take T.J. Hawkinson here. Oh, it's probably a little crazy to take a tight end. I don't know if either of you guys were even considering that at this point. <laughs> so, my last pick, so thank you. Maybe I'm maybe I'm a little reaching a little bit, but I just I think he's gonna be that good in the NFL. And I think we're starving beyond the big three tight ends. We really need some like decent starting wide receiver or tight end ones. And I think Hawkinson and his Iowa guy, other guy are gonna be a couple in the NFL for a long time. So at a position where there isn't a lot of talent, I, I definitely will, t- will take TJ Hawkins in here at 210. I, I like the pick. Like the reason why why I haven't actually considered him with my with my last pick um, and had him pretty high up my list, but I was like, am I really going to, in a non tight end premium, am I really going to take him over some of these receivers and running backs? And I probably just won't do that, but he's going to go super high. Um, he's, I think I think he's phenomenal. I think both these Iowa tight ends are phenomenal and going to produce. It's still going to take a couple years, as it usually does with tight ends. I, I don't think he's going to come in and, and be Rob Gronkowski or Jeremy Shockey or anything like that. But um, I think he can catch some touchdowns year one, learn an NFL system. And I think by year three, uh, I think both these guys are going to be studs. Yeah, I probably reached a little bit, but got to talk about him. It's in our contract. You have to talk about the tight ends every show. Shane, that puts you on the clock at 211. I guess I have to come away from the draft with some 2019 player, right? <laughs> like, like uh, is, is that kind of required too? I'll, I'll take AJ Brown here. Um, he's he's my wide receiver one. I'm not super comfortable with that. Once again, I think he's my wide receiver one is a safer play than an Inkeel Harry or DK Metcalf um, or anyone else that we talked about. Like, I think AJ Brown won't be a superstar, but I think he's going to catch a lot of passes. Uh, I think once again, got to end up in the right spot. You need a team that's going to play him in the slot and know how to get, uh, get him in open, open space so he can catch balls. Um, but I, I think he's such a reliable pass catcher in a PPR league. I think AJ Brown could be catching upwards of 80, 90 balls a year. And to me, that's, that's well worth it. Right. Just real quick. Uh, what, who is your running back one for this year then? Uh, really, it's kind of off the wall, but uh, Miles Sanders is my running back one. I think I think if I was watching in a vacuum, um, I, he, I think he's the most talented running back in the class. I don't, I, I'm, I'm not like super confident that he's going to be a stud or anything, but I, I think uh, I'll, I'll take my chances. Isn't 2020 yeah. going to be so nice? <laughs> uh, 
I, I literally am in a dynasty league where I won two years ago. My team is the worst in the league now because I have seven 2020 picks and I plan on winning the league in 2020. So <laughs> it, it does make you do dumb things <laughs> like knowing what's coming down the pipeline. Sometimes knowing Debbie ahead is not a good thing. I'm telling you. <laughs> All right. Yeah, that's that's a good pick. I like that. There's a yeah, a lot of people coming around on Sanders, so I, I like it. I, I, I want to point out that I called that out quite a while ago. Anyways, Andrew, you got the final pick, 212. Yeah, I think the Mr. Irrelevant here in this draft, I've got three names in my head, and I think I'm just going to go with what I think would be the safest pick here, and I'm just going to go with Noah Fant. For the record, I was debating between C.D. Lamb and David Montgomery here, but I just – my top two players graded in this draft offensively, not necessarily fantasy-wise, but were Hawkinson and Fant. And on my grading scale, they are separated by less than half a point. So I think Fant's going to come in, and I don't see him being your traditional tight end. I don't think he's going to be like Gronk and really be used at the line a whole lot. I think he's going to kind of be put in the slot at times. I think he's going to be used outside. I He might line up in uh, on the line every once in a while, but – I think Fant's going to be one of these newer style tight ends, kind of like an Evan Ingram type, um, which could make him a fantasy producer in year one. I, I absolutely love Fant, I, I, just as a weapon, you know, and if he falls on the right team, wow, he'd be a lot of fun. I think he's going to be great, and I, I'm i excited. If you look, if you could have gotten Evan Ingram at that uh, at 212, I think, I think everyone would take that in spades. So if he does end up that way, I agree with you. I think being used like that, uh, both you guys – um, I think he's going to be really good, and it's, it's just about positional value. So, um, I, so I, I'm actually really interested to see in rookie drafts coming up, you know, after the draft, where are these two tight ends going to go? Because uh, I, I, I think if a lot of people don't like where the wide receivers end up or don't like where the running backs end up, you know, it wouldn't surprise me to see them taken at 1 5, 1 6, even. Shane, if you had another one or two picks, who would you take? My top running back left was Korean Johnson. I, I didn't like him a ton as a prospect, but uh, seeing what he did in Detroit, I think they're going to keep running the ball. I was like, look, I'll, I'll take a chance on that. And um, and Henry Ruggs, from the wide receiver from Alabama, I think is just because of Judy is getting really underplayed. This is a legitimate 4-3 speed player. Like, I, I mean – I mean, we we're talking about Marquise Brown going to be the only receiver going in the first round. Like Henry Ruggs, if he runs a four three two, four three five, you know, like he's he's going to go in the top fifty. And if you can get that at the end of round two, like I would have taken it gladly. Yeah, there was people at the Alabama Junior Junior Day um, that had him in the four twos. So I, I definitely think he's going to be one that. He's being overlooked, but at the back end here, I think that'd be another good spot. I like that name. If you had two more, Andrew, any, any guys that you kind of yeah, I mean, about? I kind of alluded to him on David Montgomery and then C.D. Lamb. I really, I, I, in our sixth football Hall of Fame chat, I said the other day to Mason Whitlock, who's the residential Oklahoma fan, I said Marquise Brown because he was talking about how he deserves to be in the first. I said Marquise Brown wasn't even the best receiver on his team last year. I thought. I like C.D. Lamb way more than I do Marquise Brown. So, But you always got to be careful with the Oklahoma receivers. So um, they're definitely one where I still think that whole system scare still fits with them until they can prove it otherwise. But I really like C.D. Lamb next year. Another name I had was Calvin Ridley. I, I kind of considered him there at my last pick. And 
Yeah, I don't, I don't know. There's a couple other guys I thought a little bit about. Anthony Miller, of course. Anthony Miller is my boy. But I, I fought taking him at like 103. No, <laughs> <laughs> That's my hashtag brand, baby. Anyways. <laughs> All right. Do you guys have any thought? If this was Superflex, I mean, I know this kind of we're running right right toward the end here, but I kind of want to talk about Superflex real quick. Like, where would you guys have thrown the quarterbacks in there? I have I had Baker at four. I thought he was my first quarterback I would have taken. So or three. Sorry. What do you guys think about some of the other quarterbacks? Where do you think they would have went? Yeah, I mean, I probably would have taken Baker at two. Um, I think after Barkley, um, I think Tua as you kind of said before, it would be right up there. I'd probably put Kyler Murray just for the potential factor, you know, to maybe mid to, to late first. And then um, the other guys I probably can I probably consider Herbert and, and possibly right. taking him uh, after that. I don't know if there's any, maybe, maybe late two, maybe, but I think that's about it. Yeah. I would have had Baker at two. Um, I would have had two up probably at five. And then Herbert and Kyler probably at that turn at the end of the one, right around the two. Herbert still technically is fantastic, has a great arm, but I just can't get over the stories from when he was younger, crying in the huddle at times. And that just kind of makes me nervous because if he does that in an NFL huddle, I just think they need him alive. But obviously you grow and you mature and not saying we can't obviously hold on over him. Obviously Derek Carr does it and he's doing just fine, so. I ended up with Baker at, like I said, three, two at four. I put Kyler, Kyler at nine. I actually put Darnold at 12 from at 13. I had Easton at 17. Well, you know, a couple guys I would think about, but, you know, I don't know. So just kind of spitballing. So, so that concludes. That was kind of fun, guys. Thanks for that. Shane, thank you. You brought some really different takes, some guys that kind of in positions that I didn't really think of. So. That's all. Just wanted to make it kind of a thought exercise because we get, like I said, we get those questions a lot. So it's kind of kind of fun to do a different type of mock draft and so just the normal one that everybody's doing ten of a week right now. So, and and I think it's about you know playing chess when maybe some of your other league mates are playing checkers, right? Like I think sometimes in more traditional dynasty leagues, if you're ahead of the game on on these players, you can make better decisions. Right now, I think even in Devi, I mean, I play in a lot of Devi leagues where. I don't want to say people are, are they're not, not dumb or anything, but um, it's it's a lot easier to kind of put off next year until next year, right? Until you have to draft. And if you know who you can target, where you can target, where they're going, um, I think you can make moves in these drafts and just do really well. So I, I think it's a really cool thought exercise. I appreciate you guys having me on because it was fun for me to do and try try to try to go through my own mind of, of where I am with these players. And, and, uh, and I really enjoyed it. Right. Yeah. That's kind of one of the things that we're the Debbie owners manual. We want to try to focus on strategy. And this is an exercise in strategy. Like Shane said, you, you kind of, you, you know, the landscape of your team, you know, if you've got, you know, guys like Roethlisberger and Brady, you want to start positioning for these 2020 quarterbacks, or, you know, if your wide receivers are getting thin and old, you know, you want to position yourself, you know, for certain things. So there, there's always, like you said, there's always a, a game within the game of positioning yourself and, and getting your team ready for the long haul. So, yep. All right. Real quick, Shane, you want to tell everybody where they can find you and what you're working on right now? Oh yeah. Uh, you can go to fake I write for them. I'll probably have my final 
you know, like everyone else, my top 100 and final mock draft up there before the time comes next week. And then uh, draftsite.com is where I'll be doing a lot of the future stuff. So I write Debbie articles over fake pigskin, definitely over the summer, kind of pre-college season. I'll be doing a lot of guys to look out for. Dwayne Haskins, Emmanuel Hall were on my kind of preseason uh, list over there. So, so it's a couple guys that I hit on um, that, that I think will uh, be working out. So I hope to do it again this year. Right. Thank you, Shane. Yeah, thank you, Shane. All right, Andrew, tell us where you can find your work. I've got a Broncos seven-round mock drop dropping tomorrow. Well, I guess today at the Score Crow. Um, you can find it there along with a couple other seven-round mocks I've done and others have done. Got a couple more rankings that will be dropping on Twitter. Uh, you can find me there at Mandrew NFL Draft. Um, and then one last thing I did tell – well, Shane doesn't know about it because – if other things fall through, but I did say I had a surprise for the show and we talked about how we're part of the DLF network and Dwight, I reached out to Jake Anderson and I'm tired of looking at Josh Allen. So I just dropped in our group chat. I got you a new Twitter avatar made and I figured this is perfect considering the 2020, what we're doing. I got your boy ETN made up for you. Got the DLF, got the Devi owners manual on there. So congrats on getting on the DLF. I know you're really excited about that. Thanks, man. That's awesome. All right. Thank you. That's cool. We, we talked about an avatar a couple of weeks ago, but then I just kind of let it go. So anyways, all right, cool. And like he said, you, I, you can find my writing at DLF. Um, mainly write defensive players there. So if you like the IDP, that's where I'm at there. Um, you can find me on FF People's Champ on Twitter. And yeah. That's it, man. We bring you lots more, lots of coverage coming up the next couple of weeks about the draft. Obviously, um, we got a little more than five rounds left. This crazy ass Debbie draft, Shane and I are in. So that's be the next couple of weeks. You can find this podcast at Debbie Manual on Twitter, or you can email us DebbieOwnersManual at gmail.com if you have any questions. And we look forward to talking to you guys a ton the next couple of weeks. Let's get this draft. No more mock drafts. Real draft time, baby. <laughs> All right, talk to you guys next week. Don't forget about the Mountain West. The Mac that can flex. Somebody's next. Ivy League fresh. Literally dope. Thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of players to test. I'm serious. They will talk about the most obscure players on this planet. Potentially another planet. Like, dude's got a 4340 from Mars. Like, I don't know. I, it's too much. I'm done. I'm gone this time.